looking at? I'm Fathery. I'm Aaron. And this is Text Trek. And it's also drawn to Trek. Captain's log, star date 7403.6. pretending to do a captain's log? I saw that, but I don't believe it. A Vandorian doctor. A uh, shapeshifter? Ah, Look, I can set you up with somebody great on the Cerritos. There's that Felosian and Tactical. She seems like a nice plant person. Intelligent plants? Orion's little game of neutrality and piracy is over. For your information, many Orions haven't been pirates for over five years! Time to take this puppy off its leash! Warp me! Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 257th installment of the Tex Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek, old and new. And tonight we're talking about Star Trek Lower Deck Season 3, and this is also drawn to Trek number uh, Episode 13. 13, so let's hope nothing goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, this is gonna be a, a lot of fun. I got I got Aaron here with me. Uh, we we're, we're really excited for Lower Deck season four. Uh, doesn't start till next week, but in the meantime, we're going to take a moment to reflect back on season three, a season three retrospective. Exactly. So, so. Everything from Freeman on trial uh, for blowing up the pack leads, which he didn't really do, and grounded all the way from that through Mariner's heroic. Return from Starbase 80 to help defeat the Texas-class ships in the stars at night. I have my Ketracel white hot uh, hot sauce with me. The, the white hot, hot, hot sauce, yeah. Yes, exactly. That's how it's, it has hot on there twice, right? Yeah, it's that's funnier why my brain went, wait, wait, that's not right. Well, no, that is yeah. right. <laughs> my dad, it's like a pet peeve with him. If he hears someone say, like, hot water heater, he's like, it's just a water heater. The water is obviously hot. It's redundant <laughs> to say hot water heater, but it's funnier to say Ketracel white hot hot sauce. Yeah, just is. Before we uh, get into that season three talk, though, I do uh, want to share a little bit of news. Um, we got the big, uh, the big special fiftieth anniversary of Star Trek: The Animated Series. Speaking of animated Trek, uh, it's right around the corner uh, next week. Yes, we're gonna in a few days, depending on when you're you're watching or <laughs> listening to this. That's true. Uh, do you want to talk about the ninth real quick? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we got uh, we got big plans for uh, for that Saturday. Let's not oversell it. No, <laughs> no we have Saturday medium sized plans. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Saturday, September 9th, the day after the the big day. It's Saturday noon Pacific. We're going to have a stream where we're going to talk about the animated series. Where we're going to talk about how the strike in 1973, which sort of parallels the strike today, how that affected the quality of show that we got. Uh, we're going to have some special guests, and uh, yeah, just. Popping in, and you know, we'll take questions from the, uh, the the audience or anything that you want to chat about related to TAS. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. We know there's also going to be like some official TAS celebratory things yeah. rolling out on Paramount Plus the the day before. So, uh, it, yeah, not just that, but hopefully, if it's if it's out before then, there's something else we can talk about too. <laughs> vague posting, <No. laughs> <laughs> yeah, just vague it up. Vague podcasting, uh, I don't know how that works. <laughs> Also, some uh, some Star Trek Day stuff per usual yes. with uh, with Paramount. Every year they try to do something a little different. So, if there's any announcements or anything, um, I'm sure there there will be something. Possibly like new trailers. There, we know we're getting a lower decks clip. 
um, right. stuff like that. So whatever they, they reveal to us, we'll also cover that in addition to some of our own stuff that Aaron is uh, putting together. So that should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big, uh, you know, there's only the second time a Star Trek show has turned 50, 50 years. Yeah. So I've never really thought about what that's going to be like I know, life from, <laughs> from now on. This is good. Like in a few years, we're going to have like the motion picture 50th and then... Before, you know, that'll be the one that like, makes us like really feel old is when TNG turns yeah. 50. Yes. My, uh, I was, that'll happen. Somebody on Twitter is just like, uh, no, that that's not an important anniversary. It's the 57th anniversary of TOS. I'm like, yeah, but no one celebrates the 57th anniversary as a special anniversary. It's like, like in the 50th, like it's important. And like I, this person clearly did not like the animated series. I'm just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> 2023 Aaron has learned to just ignore that. 2016 Aaron would have been like got into a flame war for like for an yeah, hour. Not not worth it. Just uh, no. just scroll on by. Uh, and also on September 8th, uh, if you're in the Los Angeles area, from nine to eleven, I believe, at Paramount. No, ten to to noon at Paramount Studios is a Star Trek themed. You know, everybody getting together to uh, support the strike. So people probably come in uniforms. We're going to have a lot of there's going to be a lot of Star Trek people there. Uh, so uh, a Star Trek themed picket line. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, that, that's going to be cool. I'm I'm not going to be able to make it there myself, but I'm <laughs> certainly looking forward to seeing the pictures. Yeah, I'll try and get something we, we can show on the uh, air either that night or the next day on the, the TAS stream. Yeah, the very least we'll have your your eyewitness report yeah. on on how it went. So that's cool. Is there anything else in the news? We got uh, Star Trek Day. We got uh, Lower Decks is premiering also uh, this day before on the, on, yep, on the, the 7th. 7th. So we're getting it's, two it's episodes. A huge week. Wow. So yeah. our Friday show will probably be slightly longer than normal, too, because we'll be reviewing two episodes. Yes. And in addition to that, Rachel and the gang on the Thursday first reaction crew will be uh, reacting to those first two episodes. So we'll have a. Uh, Oh wow! Multiple streams, yeah. We're gonna so we're gonna be streaming Thursday Wait. night, Friday night. So yeah, lots of lots of content, uh, lots of work. But I'm I'm ready for it. I am looking forward to all of that. The last thing I gotta mention is just I need to say thank you to the Text Trek Patreon supporters. It really uh, means a lot to us when y'all are willing to commit to a a monthly contribution. It goes a, a long way into uh, helping us uh, keep doing the show and cover the expenses doing it. Uh, we we're going to have our monthly Patreon watch party on September sixteenth, I believe. Let me double check that date. Uh, yes, so that's Saturday, December sixteenth, three thirty p.m. Central. And uh, part of the theme of animated Star Trek, we're going to be uh, watching two of the animated series episodes. We're going to do Yesteryear, widely considered the the favorite, best, greatest episode of the animated series. And uh, that's going to be followed by the Slaver Weapon, uh, aka the Kazinti episode, because that's uh, that. Me is like the big weirdo. That's uh, one of my favorite episodes of the animated series. I think other people, a lot of other people, like it too. It's the Kirk free episode. It's the first episode of TOS or TAS that has no Captain Kirk in it. Yeah. So the uh, it 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 proved you can do Trek without <laughs> William Shatner. Don't say that online. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm well. I'm sure Shatner never saw that episode because he only he only <laughs> watches. I doubt he's ever watched. I don't any, think any of them. Yeah, series, exactly. Yeah, but <laughs> that was the like, other reason. It's like one. we could interview him if we wanted to pay for it, but it's like, what's he going to say? Like, I remember talking about it. Goodbye. You know, <laughs> I don't think he had any stories really to tell about it. So yeah, I've never heard him bring it up. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't really hear any of them talk about the animated series other than Nichelle and Walter were like the go- Oh, and uh, yep. Jimmy Duhon because he was doing all the voices. Right. But yeah, those are the I never hear Takei or Nimoy or DeForest Kelly or Shatner. No. None of them ever really talked about it, did they? No. We wanted to get Nichelle, but she was, you know, at that point having some health issues to, you know, we wanted to to interview her. But I did get her to tell me she, you know, we were chatting about the episode, the Lorelai signal, where she got to take command of the Enterprise or who it did. She's like, let me tell you a secret. And I motioned to me to like lean in closer. And she was like, I've been trying to get back on that bridge since that day. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of cool that like, Uhura, he, she, you know, in her head, she's like, okay, Uhura is going to be a captain eventually, which is cool because she did in the chronology. Now we know that from yes. Picard. Yeah, Picard established. So she made it back you, into the chair. <laughs> if you read what's on those little dedication plaques in Picard yeah. season two, yeah, we know that uh, Uhura commanded the the first starship that when John Luke left his solar system, when he became the first Picard, first member of the Picard family to leave the solar system, it was under the command of Captain Uhura. So really cool bit of lore. And uh, I was, yeah. I actually uh, put that in my in my notes for my panel tomorrow, Aaron. I was going to mention one of the one of the contributions of the animated series was putting Uhura in the captain's chair for the first time and what that meant to yeah, Michelle twice Nichols. actually. So. Yeah. She didn't literally sit in it, which I kind of disappointing, but she, you know. Well, in command of the ship. But. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to see her in the chair. I thought that would have been kind of cool. but They would have to, like, drawn, like, a new. That would have <laughs> been expensive, yeah, to put her, put her exactly. in the chair. I'm trying to think of, like, what pose that existed already would that work yeah. with? None of them. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. Because, like, the, the angle of Uhura when she's sitting at the communication station probably, like, wouldn't work yeah. for the captain's chair. That's probably why she's sitting, standing next to it when they yeah. do it. That, that makes sense. But, you know, some captains like to like to stand up when they're in command. Like, some, yeah. some never sit down. Like, I think uh, Jason Isaacs as Lorca, like, the f- first episode of him on Discovery, like, oh, he's right. never yeah. in the chair. He's just, he's, like, walking around on the bridge. I think that was, was a like, choice, right? The, yeah. The yeah. He, acting choice. He he said he needed to like I guess acclimate to uh, being the the make believe captain on a starship before he could actually like sit in the chair. You know, it's like easier to he's believe. A, he's a make believe captain of uh, in a, like it's twofold because he <laughs> isn't really the captain of the uh, the discovery either. Oh yeah, yeah, that might have been. He might have been thinking like, uh, oh yeah, I'm 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 an actor playing a guy who's also acting a role. Yep. You get like like Inception acting like layers on layers. That's interesting. But uh, yeah, I think that's all I got for housekeeping. So Aaron, yeah. hashtag um, save Star Trek Prodigy. Yeah, <laughs> I can't can't say that enough. But yeah, yeah it wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about animated Star Trek if we didn't also mention hashtag save Star Trek Prodigy. Let's get that show a home. Uh, so Lower Deck season three. I can um quickly uh, recap the season forever. I actually just rewatched it this week. I believe Aaron did as Same. well. Yep. A couple of times, right? A couple of the episodes I watched more than once, but yeah, like. Okay. Just to refresh it on everyone's memory, because I know a lot of people, it might have been a while since they've seen it. I'm just going to list the uh, the 10 episodes of season three and kind of give like a quick like one sentence explanation of each. But we start with uh, the season premiere, Grounded, picks up where season two left off with Freeman arrested. That's the where they steal the Phoenix to save Freeman. And uh, it turns out the Federation was so good, they didn't even need to do that. The The system works in the future. Episode 2, The Least Dangerous Game. That's where we get Bold Boimler. I mean, he volunteers to be Karanch, the hunter. Uh, uh, I love him. Hunter, his prey. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, while that's going on, Mariner and Ransom are having to repair the orbital lifts. Don't call them space elevators. They're orbital lifts. <laughs> Rutherford and Billups almost get thrown into a volcano. 
uh, episode three, Mining the Mines Mines, which is always hard to say. But that is where they have that joint mission with the Carlsbad, the other California-class ship, where they're having to clean up the psychic green basketballs. That's very TOS. reference. Uh, Yeah, it's very very (laughs) TOS, and and we get, like, the the big TAS shout-out with Kukulkan. Except they mispronounced it. He said... uh, Kukulkan. Yeah, it's like, no, it's not a Kulkan. Yeah, it's... uh, Steve Stevens got it wrong, but... Yes, For all we know, exactly. everyone else knew how to say it right. Right. We got a uh, episode four, Room for Growth. That's where uh, Billups and the engineering team have to go to the spa to be less stressed and working all the time. And the uh, lower deckers compete with Delta Shift for better quarters. Episode five, Reflections. That's the uh, the Red Rutherford stuff. We get the, the backstory on, on Ruthie's implant. Episode six, that's the, the big DS9 episode. And Tindy saves the day with her Orion pirate heritage. Episode seven, a mathematically perfect redemption. That's the uh, the peanut hamper return, and uh, we we see peanut hamper break uh, Rada's heart on the Areolus planet. Uh, episode eight, Crisis Point Two Paradoxus. That was Boimler's Starfleet movie sequel to Mariner's Crisis Point episode in season Woo. one. The uh, the season ended with a two-parter trusted sources and the stars at night that was all the uh, mariners banishment return to starbase 80 stuff the breen showed up they blow up one of the planets from the tng episode symbiosis there's you got the the fnn news reporter lady uh mariner doing indiana jones stuff with petra for a hot minute and uh we we end with the big climactic battle of the california class fleet versus the uh the texas class starships so that was uh that was season three that's it goodbye no (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was it was great because i there's there's a really nice overarching theme of like trusting and like trusting your companions your co-workers the system you know like not obviously not every system (laughs) needs to be trusted but you know starfleet does yeah yeah like uh putting putting trust in the people around you or um Learning to like open up and 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 rely on people, or I mean, it's okay to like yeah. expose your your vulnerabilities around those around like your crew, your family, your and you don't have to do everything yourself. Yes, like, that's that was you know that's that's still something I have problems with if I'm doing a big project and other people are supposed to be helping me and it's like not moving forward fast enough or whatever. I'm like I'll just do it. Although as I gotten older, I'm like okay, I'm tired. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely get that instinct myself as well. I think my mom had a lot of that, and now like uh, you know she's not around anymore. But I keep seeing myself like do like these certain behaviors. I'm like, oh yeah, like I, I guess I like I'm more like my mom than I ever knew. But uh, yeah, she's uh, she was definitely like that type of person. But I uh, for me like season three just a. We just give like a little quick like kind of opening statement just to get our like broad yeah. thoughts on the season out. Uh, but for me, it was the best of the of the three seasons. I thought it was uh, really cool how they built so much stuff up in the first couple seasons that they were able to rely on their own history just as much as the history of you know the other shows. They could yeah, reference their too. yeah they, they they could reference like their own episodes and not just you know the all the legacy shows or whatever so that was cool and uh, it it really did like it moved the characters forward it it's funny that the the animated show that just does 10 little 22 23 minute episodes every year mm-hmm. like in 3 years they actually have you know they've they've come a long way like go watch the first episode of lower decks and it's like they're oh. different characters yeah it's kind of yeah. crazy well tendy maybe not so much but <laughs> 
Uh, I, I don't know. Well, even she like is, with, though. Just, with Tindy. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, just, I'm just like, getting her, her outward, out of, like, yeah, exactly. Getting her out of sick bay and, you know, yeah. like into uh, on her way to being a, a science officer on the bridge. And now she's she's training someone else to be in Starfleet. Maybe a better way to put it is she's not lost her, like, excitement, which is cool. Like, that's lasted through these oh, three yeah. seasons. Yeah, she hasn't become, like, jaded or cynical. Like, uh, right. most of us do as we grow older, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, that would make me sad to see that happen to Tindy. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. What would, like, you just like your general thoughts about season three. Anything else jump out to you? Uh, Yeah, you mentioned the thing that I was talking about, the uh, just their own lore being able to. I, I guess we could say that this is a, a new Star Trek thing where every season is going to have one episode that I just don't have any interest in. <laughs> so it's like the peanut hamper one. I'm just like, oh, all right. But no, overall, I, I just think it was. It was very seamless. It felt like there was a nice flow between all of the episodes, even though they're episodic and you could take them out of order. But when they actually watch them in order, it's like, oh, there's a really nice, you know, lead to Buen Amigo doing his, you know, like, oh, it's clearly, you know, when you start watching it over again, like he's the bad guy. And just like the, the foreshadowing and things like that. I mean, calling him the basically what the good friend, I think, is yeah. for me. It's <laughs> like that kind of is on the nose a little bit. Yeah, Buen Amigo, uh, one one of the one of the few Star Trek characters to be. I guess it's like never said on screen that he's from Texas, but he clearly is. I mean, he's got like the Alamo and a Texas flag and like all of that stuff in his in his quarters. It's like a Freeman with her California flag and yeah, in hers. Yeah, it, that was kind of fun just to see the. Uh, I don't know, like that's like the type of shit. Like I yeah, like Texas pride is like a real thing. Like I, I know like people in like other states don't have that. Like I don't see like people don't like walk around with like a Idaho shaped belt <laughs> buckle on their belt, you know, or like uh, that's not a that's not a thing. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was it was just fun to to see that. I was in in preparation for this. I watched the season three Blu-ray, which by the way uh, is totally worth it just for the commentary tracks. The commentaries are hilarious. Like half the episodes have commentaries and. A lot of them are with, you know, like Mike McMahon, Jack Quaid, Tawny Newsom, uh, Jerry O'Connell's on there. Oh, the, on the Deep Space Nine one, they get Armin Shimmerman and Nana Visitors. And they're just as funny as like the Lower Decks people. Like they're they're really hilarious, though. And, and those people, they all seem to have like so much fun watching the shows. So, yeah, uh, I, I really recommend the the Blu-ray. But uh, one of the one of the special features on there, Noelle Wells, like she's she's from Texas. She's from San Antonio. Oh, she talks cool. about how like when she moved to L.A., like she didn't want to tell anyone she's from Texas because she didn't want people to be like, uh, like, oh, do you ride a horse at home? And like all of the all of that stuff. Uh, but uh, it, I so I don't know, like, who was who was like teasing her about that. But I wonder, if, like, that's why, like, Mike McMahon came up with like the Texas class ships. He wanted it to be like a California versus Texas thing. Yeah, I don't, I feel like that. People moving from you know all sorts of places. Cal- uh, at least Los Angeles is not really California. It's just yeah. every place that's like you know. I Austin's moved here in '94, like so I'm kind of like now I'm from here. You get absorbed into it. People from all over the world move to Austin, and it's always like weird to me because I've I've never lived outside of a 60 mile radius of where I am right now, and it's uh oh well yeah that seems crazy to like. I don't know, come from all the way where you came from to set up shop here where it's 105 degrees every day. I went from uh, when I was a teenager, we moved to Minnesota. So I came from Washington State to Minnesota and they asked us if, you know, like, do you surf? We're like, huh? Uh, like they confused California and Washington and Oregon is like one, like a small town in Washington State. <laughs> like, yeah. And they <laughs> said that I had a Texas sounding accent. I'm like, okay, you 
people don't know anything about this. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, bless their heart. Yeah. That's, <laughs> exactly. That's what we would say in Texas. That's the Texas response to that. Yeah. It's actually the Minnesota response in a way, too. They have like kind of their own version of that. Either that or I love that for you. If you yeah. that, that one is like a that's a lot of that seems newer. If, I yeah, don't know if it's newer, yeah, but it's just like more than I I haven't heard it until recently as much but uh but yeah buen amigo was an interesting contribution um i guess like some of like the uh the highlights from the season for me like my favorite episodes were like my favorite of all time of lord x was uh here i'll trust nothing the ds9 episode but uh aaron i know like a big one for you is like the paradoxus episode that was uh yeah that was also a big one for me that's probably my second favorite at least of this season but possibly like the show over well i don't know i think i still put like wage douge above crisis point too but uh yeah, I mean, the first crisis point, there's not, it's hard to beat that just because it was so unique. And it also had a lot of like real emotional mm. uh, measures in it. So I think it's kind of like, you know, do you like TOS better than whatever? It's like, well, you couldn't have all these other ones without that. So I kind of like, eh. you know, you just don't want to necessarily say yes or no. It's just sort of like it's it's the base point. But yeah, crisis point two, I really like though. The uh, episode Reflections really stood out to me. Like, Rutherford, I never really cared about him quite as much as I did the other of the, of the four main Lower Deckers. Ooh, I, I hope, like, Talyn becomes, like, the fifth and we have, like, five main characters, which is what it kind of looks like going into season yeah. four. So that was on my, my wish list last week when we talked about the things we were most hoping we'd see in, in season four. But yeah, Rutherford, like, I don't know. He never had, like, as much substance. I always liked him, but, like, I don't know. He just he didn't have, like, a ton of depth. I wasn't very attached to him. But, like, after we get, like, a little bit of backstory on him, he's, he's become, like, a, a lot more interesting to me. It's almost like, you know, everybody has that friend that's just always there with the friend group. And mm -hmm. you always, but you just don't know much about them. They're there, and they're fun, and whatever. And then you're kind of moved on. It's just sort yeah, of, he, he kind of strike me as that kind of a person. Yeah, like, you don't really, like, question it until you stop and think kind of thing what is your story <laughs> for for some reason i really liked mining the mind's minds it just with the <laughs> thing that like really grabs me is it's like that opening with the the outposts i love that like the outpost scientists have become like a recurring yes. thing in, in in lower decks so i, I made fun I, of whatever... it was in the first episode wasn't it like or envoys it was i think it yeah was. On envoys when boimler's like yeah. oh, i should have just i'm not like cut out for starfleet i'm gonna have to go become an outpost scientist and then, like i'll probably like die and someone will discover my death and some like terrible camera yeah, footage exactly. <laughs> yeah. shaky shaky uh something video i can't remember like log video or whatever yeah that was funny but like that that opening of mining the mines mines where you see like the outpost scientist and his seventh grade geology teacher appears before him and and turns <laughs> him to stone i was just like oh my god that's such like an enticing episode like i'm so like drawn in i need to see what happens here and just like the joke of you know you get like the opening credits and then like after the credits it's like oh like this entire big star trek story happened and now it's like the california class ships showed up for cleanup duty and I, for some reason i just thought it was like so hilarious and clever it's kind of interesting there's layers of that where it's like the california class itself doesn't really get to do the big missions but also our lower decks characters don't get to do even that level of the you know it's like there's like it's just lower low, yeah. lower and lower you know the, the a story like in the first episode of the season it was fun is that we got to see what the A story was with like reenactment or like courthouse drawings, which I thought was great. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When they talk about like that entire like huge adventure of you had uh, what's his name? Kelsey Grammer's character, uh, Captain oh, yeah. Bateman, right? I think so. 
he went and had to go like find out who actually blew up Paclid Planet and Tuvok helps him unearth this yeah. this conspiracy. It was like an inside job from the Paclids. They were trying to get the, the Federation to buy them a new planet, get them like a Bateson. new home world. What is it? Bateson. Bateson, I think. Bateson. Yeah. Not Bateman. Okay. I I, I st- removed the S for some reason. But yeah, just like that that episode, like a perfect example of like, yeah, like we this is the show that like doesn't follow those big things. But it was good that they reminded us of like, these are the unimportant people on the unimportant ship. So then when you get to the end and you see it was uh, all the California class ships, you know, not only like proving their value to like Starfleet, proving like don't dismantle our ships. We're actually like really good at our at our jobs. We're really good at second contact. But it, it it reminds us like, oh no, they actually are important. And there are no there are no unimportant people on unimportant ships. There's no unimportant ships. It takes yeah. everyone. And which is kind of like the entire theme of, of Lord X as a whole. It's like sometimes you need the people on like the bottom of the totem pole too. That was my frustration and like worry when the, they first announced this and like, oh, it's the least mm-hmm. important ship. ship. I'm like, there are none. It's like, this is Starfleet. What are you talking about? So right. I was just terrified that we were going to end up with something that's like, where's more making fun of Star Trek as opposed to, you know, we're not we're not laughing at Star Trek. We're laughing with Star Trek. <laughs> exactly. Well, sometimes we're laughing at Star Trek, but we're all laughing at it. It's not, it's just, it's not pushing back. The other episode I, I really like, which I know we're in we're in disagreement on, but I I really loved a mathematically perfect redemption. I thought I, I I bought into it hook, line, and sinker. I was I got drawn into like, oh my god, this is nuts. We're doing like a whole peanut hamper episode. Like we're just following her on this weird bird planet. I I believed her like like coming around and, and having like that was the, the problem the... with I think probably for me. It's like I believe she was coming around and then yeah. I know that's what the point was, is like, you know, doesn't but and the fact that like the the native people got to save themselves as opposed to, you know, Starfleet swooping in and right. doing the, it or the or white savior true. Yeah, exactly. Your your dance. So that was very wolves. cool. And I just I think it's just peanut hamper just the crassness sometimes, but it's like I didn't hate the episode. It was just like, okay, this is not my favorite. It's my least favorite of the season, but I love the opening, how they like did that differently than the regular oh, yeah. uh, intro, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, they yeah, made it, it like... a, a comment about their Aurelians, which is kind of cool. They shouted out a TAS bird species. Yeah, what are they, she calls them a uh, you're, you're like a poor man's Aurelian. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a great deep cut to the animated series. <laughs> People are like, what? Uh, yeah, if you'd never seen it, that would be very confusing. Yeah. It also had like that really cool warp sequence when when Peanut Hamper like basically like straps herself to like a, a homemade <laughs> warp nacelle. Yeah. Uh, like the, the animation, um, you know, something like we've talked about recently, I believe, like uh, off mic, but to be like a good comedy, you know, you kind of have to get like all, all the serious stuff has to be has to be serious. That all has to like it has to look right. It has to like match the universe or else like, you know, if you do. That's what Mike told us today. Actually. Right. That's right. Weird. Yeah. And, you know, like if you get if you get like those other like details wrong or whatever, it's like it, it just makes your whole thing look stupid and not like the, yeah. and like the, the actual like goofy stuff that's supposed to be like the jokes. Like it doesn't it doesn't pop like it should, you know. Right. So like when they do something like have like that cool like a uh, warp flight or whatever and like oh yeah we got to put like some like really cool special effect visuals and make it like yeah. if this was like a serious star trek show it would look cool like this and like yeah. that that approach is really important that was kind of the way like this is a i always mention my art improv show but the uh the first time i met the improvised generation they were doing a show at comic-con 
and they're they're on a space station and the guy who is running the space station wants the chief engineer of the McGinley to look at their warp core and i'm le- leaning over to to larry nemechek who is who i was with they're just like okay these people don't know anything there's not a warp core on a space station and also she goes Better yet, why is there a warp core on a space station? I'm like, okay, I love these people because they, <laughs> they just hung a lantern on it and she went and fixed it, basically. Nice. And then the, the awesome. space station went flying around, which was hilarious. Well, space stations fly in the other star franchise, right? They keep calling the Death <laughs> yeah. Star a station, even though it can like it can go from solar system to solar system. So to me, that should be a ship, but I don't know. Didn't Starfleet headquarters also fly in Discovery? That is true. Yeah, we did that in, in Star Trek now, yeah. But it's technically a ship. It has a dedication plaque. That's true. Yes. This shows up they... in Strange New Worlds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They forgot to take down or they didn't. It was too hard to get it down. You think they would have CGI'd it out in post. Yeah. Except for the, I mean, it's one of those things that like, if you don't know what it is, it's just a, a wall, part of the wall. Yeah. But also it's Star Trek. You got to know like as soon well, as it airs, yeah. you're going to, yeah. like Yerg is going to find it if no one else will. So it's like, true. It is, the episode's not even going to be out 24 hours before it's all over yeah. Trek Twitter. But I think we both said that at that point. So yeah. But yeah, I mean, those were like my my big standout episodes. I know that's like half the season, but there's only there's <laughs> only 10 episodes. So it's hard to pick. Yeah, I think I really loved Crisis Point. I actually really loved the first episode. There's just this, you know, you've got a, a lot of shout outs to uh, First Contact and yeah. you know they they basically turn the Bozeman area into a theme park, which is of course what we would do. <laughs> it's like, and I love that they did this little homage to not only Jerry Goldsmith because of the music, and I think his, his son did First Contact. I can't remember. Yeah, um, it was a collaboration between yeah. Goldsmith and he, Jerry Goldsmith is credited, but his son worked on a lot of that with him. The uh, ride, the Fly the Phoenix thing, it is so similar to Soarin' Over California. Like the the cue and everything like that. So it was, and he did the music for Soaring Over California. Ah. So that was a nice little kind of looped in, you know, repetitive. You know, they have the, when Cromwell is doing Cochrane, it was sort of that voiceover ish the way he did when he, you're going through uh, the cue at Soaring Over California or in Florida now, I guess. And now it's just Soaring, Soaring Over the World. I don't know. Somebody said it's like, it's very CG. They shot everything with film before. That was the point. It was like the amazing IMAX film. Yeah, I'd rather look at like real footage than than CGI. That would kind of defeat the purpose, I guess. But but I, I loved how it just tied up all last season. Some people I think probably thought it tied up too quickly, but I just liked the way it tied up and the fact that you know even even the end when they stole the ship, the, it ended with like finding or helping a life form basically. Oh yeah, that was one of my like the funniest jokes of the of the season for me was when they are having to help the ver- verugament the the verugament yeah like the the verugament orgy on the uh, <laughs> on, on the stripped down naked Cerritos to make it extra dirty. There's all all right. kinds of weird <laughs> weird stuff happening. But yeah, when they're having they're like carrying the like the DNA from like one creature to like another, and they're like covered in slime, and they're being like. They're being slapped with these tentacles that like electrocute you and yeah. they hit you. Like it's like the most like terrible experience imaginable in a lot of ways. It's, it's I don't know. It's just like that was one of the funniest things ever. That that was that was so stood out to me as like a a great comedic moment. Yeah. Did Did you have any like uh like really funny scenes like that throughout the season? That I really like. I mean, this is I mean, this isn't the most funny, but uh, Crunch or Crunch. Sorry, which yeah. is uh. Does be ketchup and ranch. That's the that's how why they named him that. <laughs> I did not know um, that either. Just it's like you know he's 
going after Boimler and runs into Freeman in the hallway. And he's like, thank you for the mimosas. And then it's like, it was, I don't know. I was like, that just made me crack up. Yeah. His voice is just so, you know. Yeah, he's so uh, like aggressive and intimidating. Yeah. But he's actually but also like, super he's, sweet he's nice. at the same yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. He's very, very well-mannered. I just could imagine him like at a table, like trying to drink out of a little glass and stuff like that. I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, you know, obviously, in Crisis Point, there's also a, one little moment in Crisis Point where you see the a guy yells, it's like, we're all part of the simulation. It's like, uh, oh, you actually are. You <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like the one time you've heard that and it's like, Yes, that True. is 100% correct. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think the the one that I hadn't noticed until I did this rewatch is they mentioned Manuki. Now, Manuki mm-hmm. is what uh, Freeman was. Oh, that was the other thing. When Freeman got turned into the Manuki and was flying around and, and yeah, it was referencing and the like, TNG. Stop touching masks. <laughs> yeah, the like, TNG was... episode mask when yes. Data got possessed. So this must be part of that same culture. But later in the holodeck when it's like, they're walking through that sand, that, that desert place. You hear somebody in the background is like, you know, like, Manuki will help you find the way. I'm like, oh, hey, that's I didn't even notice that they repeated it. So that was kind of cool. It's it's like a mini version of going back to their own lore. Right. Yeah. It was like they had an opportunity there for a Star Trek Easter egg and they planted a, an Easter egg from their own their own history, which yeah. they should do. I think, I think that's cool. Some of the, like the, the real funny stuff for me that like, I stood up when I was doing my rewatch. I was like, oh, yeah, I got to write this down. This is another great moment. But like the the acid trip in room oh, growth, yeah. like I just love that. Like when like when when Tindy's like, oh, no, like I got to get you out of here. And then like Mariner just like mocking her like, I got to get you out. And like, you know, whatever she's saying. <laughs> just, the way like, she appeared like this like little like annoying little like butterfly pixie thing. Like, I don't know. I just thought it was like my arms do not normally move this way. No. <laughs> yeah, it was all uh, it was all line. really funny. It was it was good. I, I, the, the dead dupler down in there. I don't know how many people noticed oh, yeah. that. But <laughs> that was, was... when I saw like a dead skeleton, I was like, oh, no, like people don't get like just dead bodies shouldn't just like turn up on Starfleet ships. What are they doing? <laughs> putting a skeleton in there and then i was like oh it's one of the duplers it's like oh, okay yeah that is that is like the one way like a corpse would get overlooked on a starfleet ship because the ship was packed with, with the duplers and I, yeah i don't know I, it's hard to grieve over that <laughs> like there is like a thousand of those like annoying little creatures but it's like is it really mo- multiple creatures or is it just one of the does, like does do they ever like yeah, they recombine when he when he gets angry, when they start being rude to him. So maybe it's the equivalent of like having like losing a toenail or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, just like that one just didn't make it back in, but okay. Yeah. It it probably didn't suffer long down in there. <laughs> but yeah, that was funny. Uh Boimler's meltdown on on Starfleet recruitment <laughs> day. When, oh God, like, yes. like the whole episode, you think like Mariner's the one who's about to snap, who's about to lose it, and just like that was that's probably like the most profanity in an episode. Like even when when you know Doctor Tana has, has gone on some profane bleeped out rants. The bleeps are so funny. The bleeps yeah. make it so much funnier. You know they're just like dropping f bombs left and right. No one would laugh, but when you bleep it, it makes it like ten times funnier. Especially when he's yelling about the doctor. It's like he didn't go all the way to the Delta Quadrant for you. Like, <laughs> what is it? Question his agency. He has yeah. rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think to, to question his personhood. I think is what he said. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I could be wrong, but yeah, that was a, yeah, there's, there's some, some real standout comedic moments. It's hard to like name them because they, like when you think of one, like, oh, they got the other one and then this one and that one, you know, like uh, the whole salon scene in, uh, what is it? Oh my uh, God. Yeah. How do you call uh, it? Here, here I'll trust nothing. Here, yeah. Thank you. Here I'll trust nothing where 
they <laughs> they're they're in this stupid like salon, which is just like a pajama party essentially, and and Mariner is trying to behave basically, and it's sort of like Jennifer. I think wants her to be that badass, but it's almost like she's it's like a, a an image of her that isn't real. Like she's like she's she's taking all the press that everybody's ever thought about Mariner as gospel and like wanting her to be that that person all the time, it seems like. But just when they they're in the room and the power goes out because of what's happening on Deep Space Nine and the candles that were in the room, like start taking out all the oxygen. It's like, calm down. It's like it just turned off, which I love because I've seen in science fiction shows, they always do that. Like the power goes down and the life support goes off and then everybody can't breathe. I'm like, that's not how life support works. (laughs) They didn't get sucked out. Uh, But she's like, oh, whoa, these candles are taking up a lot of oxygen. And so she ends up just phasering all the people. It's like, you know what happens when uh, when people are unconscious? They use a lot less oxygen. What does that have to do with any? (laughs) So just stuns everybody. I don't know. It's like, I'm just living my best life or whatever she said when she's running around. I love that because I frequently get frustrated in Star Trek when people don't stun. It's like, you know, you're pointing a phaser at the bad guy and like you're trying to like talk to him and like ask him questions or something. It's yeah. like, you can just like stun that guy and beam him up to the brig and question him later. You exactly. know, like, or like any, like anytime someone is causing like any kind of problem, it's like you have like a little machine that you can pull out of your pocket and make that person take a nap. You know, consequence free. Mate, worst case scenario, like they bump their head when they go unconscious, get like a head injury. Okay, like your doctor <laughs> can wave a light over that and fix it. As uh, to quote lower decks, you know, the doc doc will li- yeah. wave a light over it. So yeah, stun away. Like speaking of Lorelai signal, speaking of Uhura in the animated series, I love in the Lorelai signal oh, yeah. when yeah she beams down and she asks them, "Hey, where are you keeping our men?" And when they're like, we're not going to tell you. And she's just like, fine, I'm just going to stun you all and look for them myself. <laughs> and she does. And it works. I never thought of that. She is the only person who's done that, isn't she? Yeah. Stun first, awesome. ask questions later. I and say. I could totally see the Strange New Worlds version of Uhura doing that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to show that episode to, uh, uh, I, oh, my goodness. Like, uh, Celia Rose Gooding. I couldn't think of her oh, name yeah. for a second. I want to show that episode to her, and I want to show Mud's passions to uh, <laughs> Ethan yeah. Peck and uh, Just Bush. Yeah, that would be hilarious. I also Speaking of Strange New Worlds, those old scientists and where it yeah. fit in the timeline and stuff. So if you want to talk about that, that was kind of interesting the way you figured that out. Yeah, so the, the star date on that would indicate that it takes place between episodes five and six of season three. So that w- that would put it right after Reflections and right before Here All Trust Nothing. The The cool thing about that is that uh, that planet they, they discover that portal on, it, it must be close to DS9. It must be like on their way to DS9 because when they're trying to decode those uh, that that written language on it, they're looking. They're comparing it to Cardassian language and Bajoran language, so it seems to be in like the same neighborhood as the station. So it just, yeah, it makes sense. Like the Cerritos is in that part of the galaxy on that star yeah. date. So there's a little like that, like the little technical details like that 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 Lower Decks goes extra hard to get right. We always talk about like, oh yeah, like all the designs, everything like matches the the the, the quote unquote, you know, like the canon, the visual canon. They do a good job with all yeah. of that. I guess like there, there is like a, a goof in season three. They get like one one thing that I would have expected them to get right. They get wrong. And that is they they're calling a racket ball. It's the sport that 
that Julian and Miles were playing against each other. Mm-hmm. They, but they, they, they keep calling it spring ball, which was a different, that was a Bajoran sport. It's, yeah. It, it looks different. You know, we, we see, uh, yeah, we see Garrick and uh, Z- uh, Zialg, they go to a a spring ball game and it, it, it looked quite different. So, uh, and Mike McMahon admitted like on social media, he's like, oh yeah, that should have been called uh, racket ball, not spring ball. We just goofed up, so. Um, but we can just headcanon that they're interchangeable. You can call spring ball, ra- you know, it's kind of like football and soccer type. Of exactly. Thing. That's what that's what I was thinking immediately. It's like I almost wondered if that's what they were doing originally on yeah. Deep Space Nine. But oh, one last funny thing: the D and D game that they had that was just perfect with Martok just screaming about everything. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Batleths and in Binox. Yeah, that was good. Yes, I'm wearing for the audio audience. I'm wearing my my B and B shirt, <laughs> which is another great thing about Lower Decks is they have the uh, the T shirt club, and they, uh, yes. they they're going to have that again for season four. So that's going to be a uh, eleven new shirts because if you if you sign up and get the shirt every week, then you get a, a bonus season four shirt. Yes, which is is always the the season the bonus that you want, not necessarily all the other ones. <laughs> yeah. Like, which I know is done on purpose, obviously, but I am so ungodly jealous of everyone who got like the season two shirt of the uh, the the Klingon acid punk. I have that. like <laughs> that's all literally like ask anyone who like knows me in in real life in the physical world who like sees me on a regular basis like that's pretty much all I wear are Star Trek t shirts and heavy metal band t shirts. It's like that was like the shirt made for me. I need to get you a transparent Alumica t shirt. It's a blood between metallica right yeah you told me about that yeah yeah actually darren just tweeted it today that would be the like star trek thrash metal band should be called a transparent uh, alumica so uh props for the for the name sir i like that (laughs) so yeah that's my favorite moments or my the funniest moments what about like uh Another thing I think Lower Decks does really well is they have, like, good action scenes. You know, like, in animation, it's still... I know it's a lot of work to, you know, storyboard that type of stuff and plan it out and then animate yeah. it. But uh, you can really do, like, a lot of a lot of action sequences that would be, like, an insane budget to do in live action. Or a lot of stuff that would probably be reserved for the movies or maybe, like, one or That's two That's, like, what Crisis Point season. does really well, too. They're just, like, these are all these big, giant set pieces that would never happen, even on yeah. the regular show. <laughs> but even something, like, the one that, like, really stands out to me is the, the Breen attack when they're on mm. the uh, the drug dealer planet from Symbiosis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of sad now. Like, I, I watched Symbiosis. Like, I caught it on the other day, and I was like, yeah. these people are kind of assholes, but the Breen are going to, like, murder all of them in 17 years or whatever. That's kind of sad. But, uh, I mean, the same thing whenever I watch something set on Romulus, I suppose. Yeah, uh, that's true. But that, that Breen attack, like, the Breen, the Breen ships were cool. When they're, like, on the outside of the Cerritos, and, and they come over on those tubes, and they're trying to, like, you know, like, burn their way through the uh, through the windows. Oh, yeah, Shax's, that's scary, actually. Yeah. Shax is panicked. He's like, yeah. they don't take prisoners. Don't don't negotiate. Like, you're just going to have to kill. Uh, it, it was like, you know, like, oh, like, the big guy who's always, like, eager to fight. He's like, he's worried. That makes me worried. Yeah. You know, it was... That was cool, and then like the the ending, all the uh, the, the when all the California, all the California class ships, yeah, that was amazing. And, and and that's so much like hammers in like the theme, like yeah, like these are all the ships that you thought would be like unimportant, but you know, look how they yeah. look at how like they rally together. They can they can accomplish so much, you know that 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 whole message of a uh, of the like the strength that comes out of solidarity, like you were saying, the theme of the season, you know, when when you are able to depend on other people and lean on other people, I think that's really. 
is really shown through Mariner, by the way. Like that, one of the big highlights for me was all the emotional beats we get with Mariner and how we never really see vulnerable Mariner in seasons one and two. Uh, but we get it, you know, early on in season three, we see her like break down and start crying. She's like, I, I got it. I, you know, I don't want to be like a stupid lower decker. I want to like figure this out so we can save my mom. It's important, you know, like we got to get yeah. our shit together and, and save the captain. You talked about and, how helpless she felt. Yeah. Or, you know, when she's like worried about like, you know, impressing her girlfriend's friends when Jennifer brings her to the Castro's salon and she's like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable here, but I'm actually going to try to do this right because I care about Jennifer. And, you know, we, we never saw like that side of Mariner in seasons one or two. She was always uh, she was always like on top of shit, you know. I think the only time that we started to see that break a little bit was like in Crisis Point when she yeah, like saw her, her alternate or holodeck version of herself like. Oh, she actually does like being here and she, she, you know, she will fight to, to uh, protect her mom and all that stuff. And it's like, it's there, like the therapy at the end. <laughs> she's a complicated character. She's, she's yeah. very complex for an animated comedy, but she's got like this internal conflict of, which is somewhat resolved in season three, but you know, where she's, she wants to be in Starfleet. She wants to be like on Star, you know, she's good at it. She's good at, uh, you know, going to other planets and solving problems and all of that stuff. But she has a hard time, you know, working in that in that system and that hierarchy. And uh, because of that, like, she's always reluctant to like apply herself or, you know, like really like push herself. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, she's she's always like avoided promotions and everything. But then like when she finally like leaves Starfleet, and runs off with with Petra. She has to accept, like, oh no, I actually, a big part of me wants to go back there, and that's where I actually belong. So she kind of comes to terms with. It's kind of a question that I had going all the way back to season one. Was like, well, why why does she stay in Starfleet if you know if she if she has so many problems with it? But you know, the, the idea was that like she she likes the work. She just didn't yeah. she didn't have like the people skills to like get along with her co-workers and be part of like that crew be part of that i feel like growing up and just like going from my 20s into my 40s watching people at work i i see people like that too where it's just like they hate everything about being there but they really don't they just like they're frustrated about something maybe not being as good as it could be or you know there's just one person they can't get along with or whatever, but it's like, they don't want to quit. They don't want to leave their job, but they also like, they can't figure out how to, to fit in basically. Yeah. I guess, I guess like a big part of the, of the season, that theme of like, uh, you know, all, all the people, you know, coming together, working together, learning to rely and trust on each other. There's, there's also like kind of a balance of like accepting everyone's individuality, but uh, you know, being able to like be yourself, but still be part, part of the crew, part of the team, part of the family. Yeah. And how it's, you know, really like a like a collection of of all of us. And, and that's, I guess, Star Trek's whole mission statement with infinite diversity and infinite combinations. It's basically a it's basically a depiction of that. 100 percent. Yeah. I also liked that uh, going back real quick to, to Petra when she's in her booth at the uh, Starfleet or at the uh, career day, the way she, they kept talking the indie archaeology whatever like the kids sounds like it's i feel like they were like trying to like it's almost like indiana jones or something yeah. like that it was very like the, the abbreviation was like oh okay i can see what you're doing yeah they're the the independent Ar archaeologist guild or but yeah they're they're the yeah. indie archaeologist basically mm -hmm. who are are funded by john luke i guess yeah exactly so how independent are they <laughs> that's true it's the also the little idol the the ferengi idol which is kind of like the idol in uh 
Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's funny because like they showed that in I think the first trailer for season three, they show like Mariner swinging around on the on a whip or vine and, and you know grabbing yeah. that idol and it like then we never see it the whole season so like going into the season three finale i was like i guess we're gonna get mariner swinging around on a vine in this episode uh because she did run off with uh with petra in uh episode in entrusted sources right uh like because f- freeman tried to apologize and then was like oh yeah she left starbait 80 but we're dealing with this uh, bat flying around because we're a bunch of dumbasses still using a Rolodex in the 24th century. Starbase 80 is int- that's another, I guess, contribution from Lower Decks. But any show can go to Starbase 80 now. That's part of the canon, <laughs> part of the lore. I don't know who would want to, but if, if they ever want to, it's there. Could do something about like building it in, in the era of Strange New Worlds or something. <laughs> it's been around that long. It's just keep adding on to it or something. Yeah, Star Starbase 80 is funny. I guess it, it runs the risk of being like a little too goofy. Like when they like, yeah, that was they, my concern. It's like mm, hopefully there isn't really a Starbase 80 or something. It's not that bad. They hand her a, a uniform and it has a sandwich rolled up in it. And it's like, hey, I was looking yeah, for that. that's that was too yeah that that part uh, honestly became a little too cartoony. Just like okay, that, that's a Simpsons joke almost. Yeah, I can kind of believe in real life someone would misplace a sandwich in a rolled up uniform, but. <laughs> That would be a, I don't know, that would be like a rare occurrence, I think, even if you're dealing with like some really dumb dumbasses, like the Starbase yeah. 80 people. Joel and our live audience is saying Picard season four should take place on Starbase 80. <laughs> so maybe that was uh, Terry Metalis's idea for Legacy. Uh, who Star knows? Star Trek Legacy? Yeah, <laughs> Starbase 80. <laughs> uh, they're going to greenlight that instead of Legacy. And that's going to be coming soon to Paramount Plus with Showtime. Were, were there any other jokes, Aaron, that didn't that didn't work for you? They just like they, they were just too too goofy too silly too much for the star trek universe um i got one think. uh why don't you go and i'll i'll look through my notes uh mine was from uh, from the the same episode from um the the finale the the stars at night but when Shax makes his uh, big victorious run through the ship down to engineering to eject the warp core, you know, like his big day finally come. And I almost yeah. kind of hate to complain about it because I'm happy for the character. You know, it's like that's the whole joke. It's like that's the best day of his life. He finally gets to eject the warp core and blow some yeah. shit up. But it's just come on. Y'all, like, y'all are in like a middle of a combat situation. You're telling me like people are going to like line up in the corridor to cheer on <laughs> this dude. Like I know everyone's in on the joke that he really wants to eject the warp core, but I mean, that was, I just did not believe that. I was like, that that's not something that would seriously happen in, in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, for, for me, it's just like the, the peanut hamper in general is just, it's hard to believe that she's a character in some ways. Like, you know, just, it, it it started out being kind of odd, and then she says, "I just joined Starfleet to piss off my dad." I'm like, "Okay, come on." Then that carried over into a mathematically perfect redemption, or whatever that was called. But it'll be interesting to see her and uh, Agamus together in season four. Well, we know we know that they're both coming back because Mike has has said on record that Peanut Hamper will be back. I don't remember if she's in the trailer or not but i know agamus is he's he's on the poster yeah it, it, the last time we saw them was together it was implying that they were going to do what in the, in the comic book world we call a super villain team up so well, I, I wonder if like that ship that we see in the trailer that they're like dude, all the starfleet ships are getting blown up or not starfleet but other other than starfleet yeah i'm wondering if that's somehow related to them or you're thinking it is and then it'll turn out not to be or something like that you know like a setup yeah. 
Badgie is also up to something. We get like the the season three, you know, post credit scene of, of well, maybe Badgie all three of them will be up, together. So. <laughs> yeah, we might it might start off with like Badgie, and then like he like recruits them, or I don't know, maybe they seek him out or something. But it would. I still want to see what we talked about the good Badgie. They build another one, and it's like it's the reverse of lore. It's like you just met lore first. Yeah, our friend uh, Brandy was saying that's something that she wanted to see, and like, yeah, that would yeah. be a that would be cool if like because we we know there's like. This would be the third attempt that we know of of Rutherford trying to you know develop this AI software. It'd be cool if like eventually like he got one that wasn't evil. You know, the Texas class <laughs> ships turned evil. Badgie turned evil. Would well, be fair. He didn't do the the Texas class. He just you know he's like right. It was, it was, it was based code. on his on his code that he I guess forgot yeah. that he designed when he lost his memory. But then he ended up you know writing the same. Which you know it makes sense. You would repeat if you erased your memory. Yeah. You would repeat your your work. So. If he hadn't have had that memory erase, he probably would have been like, oh, I, I see this is like screwed up evil software. Now I can correct that. And we wouldn't have had it. Badgie wouldn't have never been born. He never right. would have existed. So we can blame that on Boyd Amigo. <laughs> Good friend, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went back and listened to an old podcast once and I started like making the same jokes along with it. I didn't remember. It was like, OK, it is that sort of thing. It's like you're you're just programmed to like even laugh the same way or something like that. It just. It happens. Yeah. So it would be if you lost your memory, it would be easy to make all the same mistakes again. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I've never had my memory erased and I, I've repeated many of my own mistakes. So uh, Starfleet Sohel is in our live audience and he's saying, uh, hi, everyone. Starfleet Sohel is at Starfleet Medical attending to his Aunt Christine, not chapel. But I wanted <laughs> to pop in and say hi and remind everyone to like and share and subscribe. Thank you so much, Sohel. Hope. Your uh, aunt is uh, feeling better, and people should uh, like, share, and subscribe to uh, Starfleet Sohel as well. Exactly. We talked about uh, you know disappointing episodes, um, yeah. moments we didn't like, uh, best comedic moments, uh, best uh, action scenes. Uh, were there any other like uh, emotional moments that I was talking talking about? Like you know the vulnerable Mariner stuff. I really I really yeah. liked that. The the Peanut Hampers betrayal, which I. Which worked on me, but I guess the reason why I, I, part of why I like that episode so much is I felt like that pain, like that betrayal myself. And it just, if they're setting her up to be like a bigger villain in season four, like I, uh, I, yeah. like I'm, I'm ready to like, yeah, like I'm against Peanut Hamper. Like I'm, I'm on the side of the, pe whoever is trying to stop Peanut Hamper, I'm rooting for you 110%. Right. I think that one of the emotional scenes that hit me was in Crisis Point where Tendi is just like, pissed off at rutherford because he just he's not taking it seriously and she's like you know <laughs> i want to be a captain it was sort of like oh i've never said that out loud before it just you know where she's taking everything very seriously and it's just that sort of like why don't you take this seriously too it's like you're supposed to be my friend but he just it was not in his like he well we're having a fun we're it'd be like playing a game with somebody and then them taking it super seriously and you're mm -hmm. like why are you taking this so seriously because i want to be a financer when i grow up i don't know like monopoly <laughs> but yeah yeah it's exactly like that and it's, it's also like that episode crisis point two was it was so like such meta commentary on the star trek movies and on fandom to a certain extent where you have mariner and boimler like arguing over like oh well this sequel doesn't really belong in continuity with the rest of this universe that was established and then boimler just be like oh what are you talking about like i i fixed so many of the things you were doing wrong in the original version and stuff like that and they like, called it starfleet movie it's sort of like it's yeah. just star trek it's just take the fleet out and 
replace the word. But yeah, they're fans of Star Trek movies, clearly. Just yeah. Star Starfleet movies. But Rutherford is like the more casual movie. Like, yeah, he left to go get a snack in the middle of like the, <laughs> the boring special effects sequence. You know, it's like like the entering V'ger and like he goes to the concession stand to yeah. get more popcorn or something. Uh, uh, but uh, and, and, yeah, like he's like laughing at like the serious dramatic amazing death. graphics. <laughs> no, you ever watch like a movie with someone and like like a real big like emotional thing oh, yeah. happens and you're like, oh my god, you're like in tears, and the person next to you is just like they're laughing Cracking at it, up. you know? Yeah, people but it was, also, it was totally like that. Yeah, and people also take you know emotions differently sometimes. Like I see people laugh at a funeral and you know that kind of thing because you're just yeah, it's how you cope. Uh, but yeah, that's I thought that was cool. I and I I just like the being able to to make fun of like the the movies and with the detail of like um when they're in the the regular station basically and they oh, yeah. zoom in on the the screen where Rutherford's like going amazing graphics <laughs> and it's just like in Star Trek 2 where when you zoom in the the zoomed in part looks completely different than the zoomed out part like the <laughs> yes. the, the console is completely different in both shots that the and left they did, and they replicated right that yeah, it was it was like the it's identical. Like they in the commentary, Mike says, yeah, they just like copied and pasted that out of the Wrath of Khan. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, they actually had to like go through the process, like getting that cleared to like clip footage out of the Wrath of Khan and use on lower decks. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, and then just, just when uh, he doesn't want to, you know, make out with the the love interest, and she's like, I don't know what to do now. He's like, <laughs> Mariner's like, I don't know either. No, bye, lady. <laughs> that that episode is a great example of, uh, you know, when when an episode, when a story like plays different upon revisit, and it did like the first because the first time you watch it, like you don't know, like oh, he just got like the bad news that his transporter clone died. Yeah, and like yeah, like he's not in the mood to like make out with the cute hologram r- right now. You know, it's like he's dealing with. Why don't you make her shit. so hot if you're not going to make out with her? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, is, that episode was not the original plan Boimler had. No, when they get when it turns out to be Kitty Hawk. I just that I that is oh my god. I just I'm like it's it's V'ger, but with, with Kitty, like it doesn't make any sense, and that's the point. I was talking to a friend about uh, the motion picture a while. It was actually um he's been on the show, but not in a long time. But uh, Dave's brother uh, Matt, oh, wow. yeah, he uh, well years and years ago he talked about some of the Star Trek movies with with us, but. I just uh, he he's quite a bit older than I am and was uh, around when when the motion picture came out and was was like reading about it in, in magazines and stuff and Starlog or whatever and I guess like the the movie had leaked <laughs> be my he didn't age, believe though. it yeah he was he like read like some article somewhere in some zine where like someone had ba- was basically like leaked the plot of the motion picture and they didn't really like and he's like I don't believe they would just like redo they would redo the changeling they'd redo the nomad <laughs> story and then like the big reveal at the end that was like a voyager space probe I refuse to believe that and like he went to see the movie and it's like oh it was exactly as it was described in that article but he was also disappointed in like that reveal of the V'ger so so I think I think of Dave's brother Matt when I watch uh, Paradoxus when I watch Crisis Point 2 Paradoxus well, even TAS had like replicate. In fact, I just tweeted something about this where, you know, they're flying for the uh, one of our planets is missing. They're inside this sort of amoeba, the space thing. And it's like, you know, nothing like this has ever been seen before. Flashback to a year earlier when they have like the immunity syndrome. It's like, it's pretty similar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, when the writers don't remember, the characters don't either. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, like, uh, speaking of like, like the big emotional moments, I guess like, Another one for me, and maybe I've I've become like a big like Tendy Rutherford shipper. I normally I'm not the type of fan who normally gets like super invested in the 
the will they won't they and like the romantic relationships but i do on occasion i I definitely like get that way sometimes and i've one of the things on my wish list for season four is i do really want tindy and rutherford to like get in a relationship they clearly both clearly have feelings for each other but uh, one of the times that like that stood out in season three is the episode reflections because we have a the evil rutherford uh, he, he's he's threatening Tindy, which, you know, really pisses yeah. off good Rutherford. And then you see Tindy's concern, you know, when the two Rutherfords are fighting over control and they're waiting to see who comes up, who comes out of the coma. And then right. when, when, when good Rutherford wakes up, just like when, when Tindy just like bursts into tears and like hugs him or whatever, like you really feel like, like yeah. her relief in, the, in like that moment. It's like the, the animation and Noel Wells like really sold that. It's like, y'all agree with me, right? Like there's like true love there, right? I'm not just imagining this. Like they need to be in a relationship. Like why aren't even they? It's not a romantic relationship. I mean, you can still have like that sort of love for a true. friend too. So yeah, it's like, totally. You know, Part of me is happy that they hadn't didn't immediately glue them together. Like everybody didn't pair off. I'm like very happy Boimler and, and Mariner were not like a couple. That was yeah. I was a little worried about that early on. I, I, like, I don't oh, think okay, that'll they're... ever happen. They're, no, they're, no, no, no. They, they're brother and sister. They're yeah. they're yeah. That's but that's what I I, I appreciate about Lower Decks because it doesn't or or it will take the trope and you're like oh no they're gonna do that they're gonna do that and then it veers completely the other direction that's one of my criticisms of the show going into season three was that i i felt like they had become too reliant on these gags of where like they set up something and then like misdirect you and i got to the point oh yeah i'm always seeing those coming when like you have like a character who's like they're gonna act like they're about to be mad like the security officers who like bust them on the cerritos in the first episode and and they're like you think we would be mad about you doing like this important project to help these life forms? We would never be mad about that. And you know, like I, I was like, man, I always seen these jokes coming, but at at some point in season three, they got better at it, and they started like, oh, they they started like tricking me a lot more. So it's like, okay, if you can if you can like catch me off guard, then keep doing yeah. it. But if it's not, different. then it, like, yeah, it, they. I think that's the, they. You know, mixed it up. There was too many of those like, where it's like I'm really like. Of course not. Go ahead. You know, where they're like, it's that chain. Like, okay, it just, it became old very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, a, it was a joke that they started using a lot going all the way back to, I think, episode two of season one, when, when it began, when Rutherford is like, Hey, Billups, I think I'm going to leave engineering. And Billups is like, you're going to leave engineering. And he's all mad. And then he, then he just smiles. And he's like, I think that's great. You should go chase your dreams, buddy. Do what you want. Follow your yeah. heart. And it's just, you know, which the is funny. funny. Is like, but it also feels like that's what you think inside your head when you see it sometimes your brain, like, you know, like you, that's how that person's going to react. Mm-hmm. But in real life, people don't do that. <laughs> they, <laughs> nobody has that sort of weird emotional response. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess it's more of like a unless they're trying to make though. a joke of it, then then maybe they do. But but they do that so much in seasons one and two. And then yeah. uh, but they start at a certain point in three. And I remember I pointed it out when when uh, we were covering these last year, but they they started like tricking me and I, w- I would fall for it and i would laugh at the joke and so if when they if you can do it good keep doing it in season four season um, three really seemed to refine kind of the the flow of the episodes just the how it i don't know it's just something about it feels it feels just like they get just as much information in but it also doesn't seem quite as frenetic it is yes. still that way but there's something that's a little bit more i guess they've maybe they've fallen into they 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 know their characters more and they're they're it, have to rely less on the physicality of talking really fast or something like that. I mean, they still do. And that was actually made fun of in strange new worlds. Even, you know, I, I, I think that that just shows that they, you know, season three, like it seems like every star Trek show in season three, like 
seems to be like when they kind of click. Yeah, yeah. Season threes have a good tra- track record, um, unless you're the original series. Yeah, because where, exactly. like, it kind of started to fall apart. Or TAS, which didn't have a season three. But uh, in general, you know, most people, uh, most people think like I. For me, I think season four is like the actual like magic number. I think like, that's when you get that's when you get Warf on DS Nine. That's when you get Seven on Voyager. That's like yeah, that's uh, true. I, I think I but just basically season four not right away I guess is what I'm getting yeah. at it's like you know yeah most most Star Trek shows they uh they 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 grow and they take like a little bit to hit their stride but uh, I I feel yeah. like Lower Decks had an incredibly strong season one so by the time I get to it season three it's definitely uh it's it's flying on all thrusters or uh, yes firing on all cylinders or warp cores or <laughs> some analogy just plug it in there I guess to uh to wrap up to close out. Uh, just after after revisiting season three, is there uh, anything uh, you know different or something new that you hadn't thought about, or something that you're you're hoping for in in season four, or just where where, where are you now positioned mm-hmm. after after revisiting season three, going into season four? I feel less like I did before, where I said I didn't want Mariner to, I didn't want uh, to let Freeman off the hook quite as easily as she did uh, at the end of the final episode. Give, you know, basically forgiving her for like not believing her. Yeah. And I think watching it again, it's like, oh, she's it's her self-reflection of going like, yeah, I could totally see why you would do that, because that's how I act. She there was some part where she it pushed over enough that, you know, mm. like I bought it that she could change that quickly because that happens to people sometimes, too, when they finally that that moment dawns on them like, oh, this is how I act. Uh, but I do hope Jennifer does not, or he does, she does not get uh, back with Jennifer. That that part seems to not be working. <laughs> yeah, you. It bothered me the first time I saw season three when when Mariner just uh, when they don't like do anything with Jennifer when they because we we have like that conversation where Jennifer is like yelling at Mariner like, like no like you're terrible you went and said all of this bad stuff yeah. I don't believe you now get off the ship go away and then we never have any any follow-up to that other than like Mariner just kind of like gives like that look to Jennifer and that bothered me. But then I, I had a conversation with you, I think on the show uh, last year and uh, the, something that you pointed out to me that like, I didn't, I didn't pick up on was like, Oh no, uh, that's Mariner being dismissive of Jennifer. She's like, I'm not even going to stop and have a conversation with you. Like, I'm just, I'm done with you. So I yeah. was like, Oh, I kind of love that. That she just like walked right past her and went straight to her friends who do apologize to her. Right. Yeah, I think Boimler wasn't he saying like, do I need to keep apologizing or whatever it was? Like, yeah, yeah. The the so Jennifer I'm, stuff might come up in in season four and some. Yeah, I'm assuming form, that that's but... somehow going to. It's got to have to be addressed at least, you know. Even if it's done off screen, where it's like, hey, you know, isn't Jennifer coming with us? It's like, no, that's not happening, or something like, you know, whatever. Okay, that that allows me to segue straight into like a, a new thing that I'm hoping for in in season four after rewatching yeah. season three. So I, I want to see more uh, Mariner and Ransom on screen together. I really like that dynamic. In fact, like season one made me hope for like a romance between like the two of them because I just they almost seem like they were in a little bit. Like, they're they're into each moment. other. Yeah, they're they're attracted to each other, but they also like they don't like you know he she's like the shitty employee. 
he's like the shitty boss. Like they don't like working together, but they're like, okay, but I, I, I think, I think that person's hot. Like I, I, I'm attracted yeah. to them, but like, I, I, I don't like working with them. I would love to see them. Like, return he works to that. with her, her mom. It's sort of like, there's a weirdness there too. I yeah. think. But uh, that's good. That's good drama. That's good sparks. Yeah. You know, they, they have a. Uh... So ethical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They played around with it a little bit and, and season three, you know, they start off with, Mariner's kind of uh we we joked around uh Sohel and Rachel and I uh when when we covered uh, that season three premiere last year we joked around said it was like a when you're like in trouble at work and you're on like a performance improvement plan or whatever it's called uh but oh, that's yeah. basically like where she's having like report in and check in with Ransom and there's you know that creepy scene where he's like as far as you're concerned Ensign I'm your mama now uh <laughs> but then in, at the end of season three they turn that on its head where uh, when Mariner's welcomed back onto the ship and everyone's like apologizing to her and then she's like, uh, like oh, Ransom, you didn't get rid of me yet. Like you're still stuck with me and, uh, you know, you're going to deal with me having to report to you and all this stuff. And it's like, it's like, oh, it's like, like the season no. opened with, yeah, he's, she's stuck with him and then it ends with him being stuck with her. And so I'm looking forward to more of that in, yeah. in season four as well. One thing with Ransom, I would like to see some sort of character growth beyond the fact that he works out. Like that's starting to wear a little thin. Like I get it as a joke, but it's like, okay, how how many seasons can that go on? Yeah, he's he's got a lot of uh, workout jokes in season three. Yeah, the glutes are cute, but obliques yeah. are for freaks, and uh, he's always doing like push-ups or pull-ups. The, the or... space elevator, or no, sorry, not space elevator. The, yeah, orbital the... lift. Damn it, orbital lift. Right. Orbital lift. <laughs> Where it's like, how dare you not? Uh, you're coming to our temple without your navel being exposed or whatever. The the uh, healthy planet or whatever. Yeah, he had to show off his lava tubes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that. Like when he rips off his uniform, he's all shiny. Like how like Shatner yeah. would always get oiled up. Yeah, like somehow. Well, at least on that planet, that makes sense because he was all sweaty. At least I mean, from the all the yeah, stuff he, that they were doing. That's literally makes... standing next to a volcano. So probably yeah. uh probably that uh, one works. Steamy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but mostly not. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, I'm I'm dying to see more to Lynn. I don't want to sound like a broken record. I know I said that a ton last week, but uh, give me all the to Lynn in season four. I want I want her to be a, the the fifth lower decker. Uh, I I think that's a, that's a great way to add some freshness to the sh- like I was just talking about. You know, like season four, like that's when you add Worf. That's when you add Seven with lower deck right. season four. That's when we add to Lynn, and that's a, that's going to be a great way to shake things up and keep the show fresh. I I believe. So in like 20 years, we'll have some sort of show with some other character. And then Talen shows up as the, the kind of like the seven of nine from, yeah. from Voyager. But, so, yeah. yeah. But she comes Talen. out as, a, as an actual live action person. Yeah, she'll be uh, eventually she'll become like a, a captain of some Enterprise, uh, I don't know, Enterprise uh, P or <laughs> X. Or They're something. running out of the numbers in between those. Like the unless that's just an alternate future that isn't real anymore. Like it, the, it, yeah, it arguably is. War. Yeah, the temporal Cold War. Yeah, I don't know. Because they're up to G, right? Yeah, so there's only H and I. Yeah, so that doesn't seem likely that that's... <laughs> they're going to go through those I just before you get to the 29th century. <laughs> Unless you do like a A.1 or something. <laughs> whatever. They never have done a, a ship post the J. Like like Discovery Season 3 and 4, they've right. never had like an Enterprise. Maybe that'll happen in the end of epi- like the finale of... You might um, as well. Discovery. It's your, yeah. your your series finale. You might as well put like an, inter- I don't know, Enterprise Z or <laughs> something. <laughs> or Enterprise AA or something. <laughs> what would go after the dash? 
Oh, I, I did think of like one other thing I got to say about season four yes. before we sign off. And that is just, I got to point out how season three brought back so many legacy voice actors. We had James Cromwell, J.G. Hertzler, the uh, Leia Brahms lady. I'm sorry, I can't think of the actor's name. Uh, no, no, visitors, Armin Shimmerman, George Takei. They put a lot in there. Susan Gibney? Name? Susan Gibney, yes. Thank you. Hey, I actually remembered. That's cool. <laughs> I was the one who remembered. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to whoever is going to to cameo in in season four. From the trailer, yeah. it looks like a you know we're getting Max Grudenchik and Chase Masterson because we see Rom and Lita in the. I assume they'll speak. Uh, we need Harry Kim. <laughs> yeah, let's get let's get Harry Kim. Let's get a uh, let's get some more uh, legacy cameos, but. Yeah, that he walked by and like they're all getting promoted. It's like, oh man, <laughs> it's like he keeps going by as an ensign, forty-five year old ensign or whatever. Yeah, just uh, just a forever ensign. Yeah. Now, like uh, Rutherford and Tindy and Boimler and Mariner all outrank them if they because we know they're getting promoted in, in season four. So yeah, to something beyond ensign. But uh, that being said, uh, I guess that does bring our show to a close. But uh, again, big, big thank you to the Text Trek Patreon supporters. That's uh, Starfleet Sohel, Cake is Eternal, Crazy Dutchie, Joanne Robertson, John Daw, Geek Filter, Earl Grey Trekkie, Quarksbar, Benginium, Stephanie Durantes, Matthew Averett, Braxton, Chuck A, and our anonymous supporters. Uh, we'll have the Thursday uh, first reaction stream to our new season four episodes. They've, they've announced the names of them. We have a Tuvix, but it's spelled T-W-O-V-I-X. So uh, uh, a sequel to, to Tuvix. And uh, that's going to be followed by a uh, Harlan Ellison paraphrase. Uh, but yeah, uh, though I have no bones, I must flee or something like that. It's, uh, yeah, I have no bones, though I must flee. Yeah, we, we were th- thinking it was kind of similar to the uh, Harlan Ellison. Is it a short story called I Have No Mouth, But I Must Scream? Yeah, I think so. Sounds like that Metallica song one, speaking of Metallica. <laughs> but yeah, so the first reaction stream to those episodes Thursday and then come back for the deep dive discussion with me and Aaron Friday night where you can uh, listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, look for the uh, Drawn to Trek podcast or the uh, Text Trek podcast. I'm looking forward to doing Easter eggs or Gorn eggs, I guess we can call them now. <laughs> And some other uh, some other drawn to truck stuff happening uh, in, in in the the future also. We've we've been discussing some other some other content that might roll out in addition to the uh, the weekly lower decks coverage. So eventually we're gonna have to talk about Prodigy. We're gonna have Prodigy somewhere. Hashtag Save Star Trek Prodigy. So we're gonna get it at home and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that show and that's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, until next week, as always. Uh, is is there like a, a a drawn to track closing that we could come up with, like a uh, like like stay animated or something like that? Maybe, oh, maybe we can um, brainstorm something. I think at the end we would put the clip of of uh, Freeman saying, "Don't give me that sarcastic Vulcan salute." That was sort of how we ended all of the episodes. Okay. <laughs> but uh, don't so do that. We'll... <laughs> but uh, un- until then, until we see you again, as always, live long and prosper, y'all.